The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, well, he might just have to sleep in the bathtub. Welcome, Jacob. Uh, at least it's better than the kennel. Let's just say that. <laughs> Why? I don't know. The kennel may have more room than that house. That's uh, true. For how many Muppets were in that house? Yeah. Good night. <laughs> Why? Thank you. Let me introduce our co-host, a man who, kind of like a certain chef, is getting a turkey confused with a big bird. Welcome, Drew. You can't tell me if you were going to uh, cook a turkey, and all of a sudden you turn around... There's a giant yellow bird, and you know how many mouths you have to feed. True. Yeah, would at least think about it. Possibly. Maybe. But anyway, how are you doing, Jacob? Man, I am doing pretty good. You know, life you know, life, life throws you curveballs, and you just rely on the Lord for things going on, and uh, you move forward, right? Right. Uh, I had uh, a car issue come up, so I had to put it in the shop. Uh, it's been in the shop for like three, like for about three All days. Week. Yeah, most of the week. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing most, most, of, the, most of the week. Uh, doing walk- a lot of walking back and forth to work. Yes. Thankfully, it's not really that far, though. No. no. Most people may not be, may not want to make yeah, that mo- trip. Most, most, most. Mortal people like the rest of us would be like, "Ah, uh-uh, don't weigh in earth. I'm not walking a mile and a half to work." <laughs> no comment. <laughs> but other than that, it's great. Um, Thanksgiving was fantastic. Yeah, how was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was great. Uh, me and my girlfriend Ashley uh, went to my parents' place. Got this. My uh, Ashley got to meet the entire family, the uh, primary family. Uh, at one sitting, she really enjoyed it. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Uh, there again, car issues, work. Um, other than that, uh, I'm looking forward to the weekend. Uh, a few things going on. I'll talk about that later. Uh, probably next episode. Right. But um, yeah, doing great, man. Uh, I'm. It's the second day in December. So we're entering our way closer and closer to Christmas. Yeah, and you can't tell that looking around. No, the set. not at all. No, the the big tree in the right hand, the right hand top corner right. of our set, uh, right behind my head. Yeah, looks like I got kind of a tree halo kind of yeah. thing. I don't know. I don't know what you call that. Yeah, full of Star Trek. There's, there's a lot of Star Trek ships. A lot of Star Trek. There's a lot of Doctor Who stuff in there, True. too. In and fact, very... uh, for those of you Whovians who may find it interesting, you may not want to look, you may want to keep an eye on the uh, t- top of my tree as there is a weeping angel up there. Oh, oh no, oh. it's cut off. We're all going to die. <laughs> Jacob has no idea what I'm Oh, I know about. what a weeping, what a, a weeping <laughs> angel is. I've I, I watched a little bit of Tenet's uh, tenure as the Doctor. I know which I know what you're talking about. It's just the part of me. It's like who who knows things uh-huh. and does not want to spoil things for those who have not got caught up yet. Mm-hmm. Is trying to keep his mouth shut. Okay, then. 
but you can Google what I'm talking about. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, anywho, so how are you doing, Drew? I'm good. Uh, had a good Thanksgiving. Saw the family. I'm fed up. I'm tired of eating turkey. <laughs> yep. But other than that, it was a good trip. I, don't get me wrong. The turkey was good. Don't get me wrong. It's just I've had a lot of it in the last three weeks. Yeah. So I'm ready to move on to something else. You get a little gobbled out. Just a touch. Just a touch. But uh, yeah. So, Jacob, I have a question for you. What have you been watching? All right. So what have I been watching? Actually, a lot. Because last week we took a break. Yeah. And it's obviously Thanksgiving and Drew is already out of town. So, mm -hmm. and we do not have uh, holdover episodes recorded yet. We're going to have to set some time apart for that at we some will. point. But until we get to that point, we're just going to skip weeks. Exactly. So I started watching um, there again for most people to know. I'm a huge history buff. I love watching history history documentaries. And I, I think I just finished um, a documentary on Netflix, uh, The Greatest Events of World War II in Color. Mm -hmm. That That is deep. That gets really, really deep. And you get to learn a lot more than be like you normally do in a, a history documentary. Uh, another one I uh, also finished right after that is uh, World War II in Color, War Road to Victory, also on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, because most of the time, like when you, when you watch documentary, definitely about the end of World War II, when the so when the uh, the Soviet Union uh, takes Berlin, as in Germany, yeah, but like you never hear about who the generals were, what was really going on. All you hear about is what's going on with the American side. Well, with this documentary, they 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 start they actually discuss who these guys were what their strategy was. And I thought it was mm -hmm. very insightful and it was very like history opening. It's like, okay, these are actual people, not just be like general mill run of the mill people that, because I thought, I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was yeah. fascinating. And uh, so I get done with that. And of course, Netflix, it brings up suggestions. Mm -hmm. So I, part of history I've never really studied or looked at was the age of samurai. Ah, yeah, and the sh yeah, yeah, the shogun, shogun, yeah, that is fascinating. I I, I started watching a doc. I just finished it actually before I came here. Was uh, Age of Samurai: Battle for Japan? It's also on Netflix, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was very eye-opening, very uh, insightful historically. Um, it's like, yeah, if we're talking about the the you know feudal Japan with uh, the shogunate and the samurai, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, if you had power, like kiss your butt goodbye because apparently someone's going to take you out at some point. And it it was very the the relationship dynamic between all these men were so unique. And um, am I, am I saying this right? Seppuku, Seppuku is the Seppuku. Uh, yeah, Seppuku. Yeah, that was like from a, from a Western viewpoint. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. No, Grant, I had heard of this before, but it was more like in depth, like yeah. in depth about this. And I was like, like so so much of like men, um, like honorable, like uh, honorably doing seppuku. Am I saying that seppuku? Seppuku. There's not an R. Seppuku. I, so, actually, I think it's closer to seppuku, but 
I'm yeah. not gonna. No one's grading right. here. So, right. It was. I mean, like it was very interesting, definitely from a Western perspective. Um, I would almost like into Ken if you were to watch something. If you were like an action buff, like an action movie buff, be like this would be right up your alley because all it is is warfare the entire time, and war strategy and fights and uh, blood splatter everywhere. Mm-hmm. And a lot of heads coming off, lots of heads rolling. Uh, I thought I really, really enjoyed this. Was a really, really good documentary series on Netflix. Highly recommend it. Uh, now I don't know how historically accurate they are because there again, that is not my field of uh, expertise. Ex- I wouldn't say expertise really because it's more my 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 field of study in a way when it comes to history. Mm-hmm. But it was so it was good. It was very good. It was highly recommended. Or it is highly recommended for myself. Uh, let me see. Uh, so I finished a. Uh, there again, I love true crime, like I've stated before. Yeah. And uh, my lovely girlfriend mentioned a podcast that she had listened to, and it's it's in the news now. It's right now in the news. the uh, The guy who di- the guy who allegedly did it. They are he is in tri- he's on trial right now mm-hmm. and this is called down the hill the uh the delphi murders uh you can find it on apple spotify like anywhere you find like our show you yeah. can find it there and it's really fascinating because it's a it's a case of two girls who go hiking on a bridge and the next thing you know their lives are lost they don't know who did it what happened there's they they there's no no triggers no mo no nothing because they're so tight lipped about it mm-hmm. like there's no information what happened to these two so apparently it was something very horrific mm. and um so it's interesting now that this guy they have stuff on this guy about who he is where he was and now they got this like um. Uh, you know, modus arandi. I'm probably butchering that word. Modus operandi. Thank you. Yeah, Drew's my translator in some some capacity. I'm not the translator. It's just I go. Okay, I think it's where pronounced this way because yeah, I do pick up on pronunciations easier than you do. Yeah, that's all it is. That is true. All right. So that was interesting. That that was a really really good podcast. Definitely, if you're into true crime and something that is currently going on right now in the world of true crime and in uh uh trials right now because that's really big right now uh so just so happened i finished season two uh power Rangers the audio drama which drew recommended ah and all i have to say is nate marchand from <laughs> dude you killed it <laughs> you killed it as rito Oh, oh my gosh! Wait, wait till you start hearing him in season three. Oh my gosh! It was because actually season three has been really good so far. Oh okay, but it was just it was I, I was listening to it because Nate had told us like he you know he had a small part or like he got a part for uh, Rito mm-hmm. on this and uh, he be like he let us hear something like what he said. And I was like that sounds cool, but to actually hear in the audio, yeah. And the drama, it's like, oh, that sounds so good because he sounds like it. So, Nate, amazing job. Just say it. Amazing job, Nate. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I, I cannot wait. Cannot wait for season three. I've got to just, you know, catch up. 
I need to remember to, well, technically I need to give you the RSS feed because we, we are a, uh, uh, Patreon supporter of, uh, mm-hmm. those podcasts, including their X-Men one also. Really? Yeah. Uh, so I need to give you the RSS feed so you can get the extra, uh, stuff behind the scenes. Cause there's one they do after the season three episode one thing mm-hmm. where Ninjor gets involved. Okay. That I after you after you hear what they do in the audio drama because mm-hmm. I personally prefer in terms of performance I think I prefer the ninjor from the audio drama over Dudley Do Right okay <laughs> but uh, if you're not following the extra stuff you're missing the fact that he actually they they have two versions of the scene mm. it, all the scenes involving ninjor one where it's the uh, the guy doing it on the regular drama and the other where they have someone doing saying the same lines but with the deadly do right accent and it is hilarious oh gosh so i need to get you that when you finally get to those episodes nice i need to give you that anyway but anyway yeah so i got done with that just kind of had to be like i've had a cold for the last like week and a half hey you sound fine yeah thanks but uh, i think you do well thanks appreciate it i hope our listeners stop i sound good too um and last thing, last thing I want to bring up, uh, my wonderful girlfriend also brought up this other podcast. We have a very, our one of our big commonalities is true crime, so we both love, no. love listening to true crime. <laughs> I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but this is something we love talking about. I just know that I don't ever need to make either one of y'all mad, or no. I will be on one of these true crime podcasts. <laughs> that is true. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Y'all, y'all, y'all been studying all the techniques. <laughs> yeah, let's just say that Ashley be like, she has told me, she has told me when she goes to sleep, she put it in her earbuds and she listens to a true crime podcast to make her sleep. So let's just that to me, that's kind of disturbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but cool, but kind of disturbing. Uh, so again, another true crime podcast. If you're interested in those kind of things. Uh, what makes a killer? There again, it's on any po- uh, podcast catcher directory that you listen to, like you listen to Cellcast. So, other than that, uh, that is all I've been to, been watching and listening to. What about you, Drew? So, I don't remember if Black Panther Wakanda Forever had come out before our last episode, but I don't think I talked about it. No, you didn't. That's okay, because I saw it again over Thanksgiving weekend. Nice. That is a good movie. Okay. Uh, It handles, uh, I wanted to say Don Cheadle, but it's not Don Cheadle. It's Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman, yes. And, And that's not any that's just names getting tongue-tied in my head that's yes. all that was uh but chadwick boseman they handled chadwick boseman's death fairly well i know some people would have preferred they showed maybe some more on screen but honestly yeah. what are you going to do exactly uh, but as a story of grief mm-hmm. that shuri goes through i think it's done very well and how it consumes her nation Mm. her need for revenge mm. in some way or at least feeling like she can skipping her place where she can lash out yeah 
but also the fact that uh, you know this the movie has Namor in it also. Yeah, and they changed uh, Namor's background. Okay, in the comics, you know, I think he's Atlantean, which technically makes him Greek. Yeah, technically or Roman Latin anyway. Uh, they changed it to South America off okay. the coast of the Yucatan Peninsula, so they're Mayan, oh, okay. basically. And uh, so it's a lot of these Mayan type areas that are underwater and mm-hmm. he's he's namor you know namor has never been exactly the best he's not exactly a hero yeah he's always he's like he's marvel's oldest superhero yeah and he's not even really a hero most of the time he's kind of a sometimes he's a hero sometimes he's a villain it's whatever's best for his nation mm-hmm. of uh whatever the nation is in the comics atlantis Atlantis. And it's not like they could use Atlantis because that's already being used by Aquaman, which is ironic because Namor was created before Aquaman was, and Aquaman was actually knocked off of Namor. But beside the point. Also, Atlantis is open copyright because it's been around for you know right. But I understand why the, I, years. I understand why uh, uh, Marvel would want to change that for this universe. Mm-hmm. Just so that people weren't directly comparing the two at characters, yeah. if if for no other reason. Other also, you know, this is a minority people uh, uh, in the world generally, much like you know the Africans are. So it's yeah. two minorities fighting each other. Yeah, in a way, or so. Um, I I did think that the, even with those changes, I thought they did a very good job of. What little I know about Namor. I have read a one single Namor comic, and that was his very, very first one because mm. it's on the Marvel Unlimited app. Mm. But uh, I thought they did a good job with it and how they handled both of their uh, need for revenge. Got it. And how they had to eventually... Well, I'm not going to spoil the end of the yeah. movie. Yeah, please but don't spoil definitely go go watch it. It's actually a very, very good film. Um. There is only a mid credit scene. There's not an after credit scene, but you definitely want to stay for the mid credit scene. Mm. That's all I'm going to say there, because because that's not the only Marvel thing that I watched. Really? Over Thanksgiving weekend. Because as soon as we got home, uh, we went on to Disney Plus and watched the other big Marvel oh, release yeah. that happened this month. The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Yeah. A.K.A. Drax and Mantis uh, kidnap uh, Kevin, Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Ironically, in David Crowder's house. I heard about that. That is filmed in his house, apparently. But uh, that is just a lot of fun. Oh, wow. It's not as serious. It's it's a holiday special. It's yeah. much like the one we're recording tonight. You're not, there's not any big negative, re- horrible... Uh, dramatic stuff happening other than there is a reveal that occurs between two characters. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. But after having seen the trailer for guardians of the galaxy, volume three uh-huh. that released, I now know, understand why they felt the holiday special had to come out first. Okay. Cause they, it does connect in some stuff. Okay. But yeah, I watched that. That was fun. Uh, I also watched a, uh, I, uh, when I got back, I went over to our buddy Chase's and yeah. we watched an anime as we sometimes as okay. we always do. And this one was a couple episodes of, I was reincarnated as a sword. Okay. It is an isekai, as you can probably guess from that okay. title. 
it's actually a very good story. It oh. does have the isekai tropes, but they're not, like they flash by and then they get to the good stuff. Okay. It's a, it's a very fun, very good story. It's got a very interesting concept for a world. Hmm. It's still video game based, like a lot of these are, but I mean it's an interesting way to handle that. Yeah. Uh other than that, uh the only other thing I've been watching is Common Writer. Ah. For reasons I'll get to later. Gotcha. So yeah. That's what I have been watching other than a couple of things i bet we're going to talk about in the news the cellcast news with your host jacob heron I thank you, Dealit. Oh man, this is it has been busy news-wise. Yeah. So let's get in the news, shall we? So when I say Oswald, what do you what do you automatically think of? I already know what you're referring to. Yeah. Which is not helping this in the slightest. No. Um Oswald, the first my actually, I can tell you what the first thing I think of when you say Oswald, and that is Oswald Cobblepot, a.k.a. the Penguin. But I know that's not who you're referring to. Exactly. You're actually referring to the very first cartoon character of the Walt Disney Corporation made for, I believe, Universal Universal. Mm -hmm. at the time, uh, which was Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Yes. That had been owned by Universal pretty much up until about, what was it, 10, 10, 11, 11, 12 years ago, somewhere in there? 2009? 2009. Right, in preparation for the video game Epic Disney Epic Mickey. Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of the shorts, but they're still not on Disney Plus because I think there's, while the character rights have gone back, I don't think many of the rights to the cartoons have made the transition. Not yet. Not I don't yet. think, so they're not displayed on Disney Plus just yet, but no. I have seen a couple in certain locations. Mm-hmm. For that's they're good com, uh, sh- uh, cartoons from that era. Yeah. Well, you know, they just released a new Oswald the Lucky Rabbit short, right? Yeah, the first one in like 100 years. 94 years. Nearly 100 years. Nearly 100 years, yeah. So, uh, Oswald's back. Disney premiered the new animated short starring the 94-year-old character directed by fame animator Eric Goldman, uh, Goldberg. Uh... Uh, how to stay style to stay at home, uh, Pocahontas, Fantasia 2000. Uh, yeah, so it's available on YouTube today or mm-hmm. now, so you can go watch it there. Uh, I watched it; it's funny. It's it's very reminiscent of you know the 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 time at which Oddwall was around, and it's hand drawn. It's a hand drawn yeah. animation. So I thought that was cool. Uh, just right. as a quick bit of trivia involving Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, uh-huh. it was Walt Disney Corporation losing the rights to that uh-huh. character that caused them to have to create Mickey Mouse. Exactly. And then never give those rights to anybody because <laughs> they exactly. learned their lesson. Yeah, because what was it? Uh, a couple of years, like I think it was like this year or something like that, they were trying to like put Mickey Mouse in the um, uh, public domain. 
they've been trying that for the past 40, 50 years. And every time Disney successfully convinces them to extend the rate of copyright, which is why we're up to 70 plus years after the death of the creator. Yeah. And it's about, it's around the time again, that, uh, uh, what is the name of that cartoon? Steamboat Willie Mm -hmm. is about old enough again to be, make it into public domain. So of course they're trying to keep it from going public domain. That is true. Now, granite, while that may mean going public domain would mean they would lose the exclusive rights to the short, they would still own all the rights to the character of mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse because that is the company's trademark. Mm-hmm. Unlike a lot of some of the other characters in there, it may give them problems when referring to uh, what is the cat's name? It's the villain in a lot of those. Jim Cummings voices him now. Oh, um, he was on Goof Troop. The cats, the cats. Oh, um, Pete, Pete, Pete. Why couldn't I think of Pete? Yeah, Pete the cat. Pete the cat. Um, I was thinking he's a dog, but he's a cat. He's actually a cat. Uh, they they might give him trouble with Pete because Pete is the other major character in there, along yeah. with some of the background characters most people don't remember, like mm. Clara, Clarabelle, Clarabelle. She's got a longer name and I can't remember what it is. But anyway. But still, I mean, who's going to fight you over some of these? They own the rights to those characters. Uh-huh. Yeah. They just want to have exclusive rights to the cartoon itself. Exactly. Which is ironic considering the thing's old enough. It should be in public domain by now. Very true. Oh, no, no. What's funny is that while they are trying to keep that in, they no longer have exclusive rights to another certain lovable, huggable character. Winnie the Pooh. Yes. Because blood and honey is a thing. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, Jim <laughs> and knees. I would not recommend going to watch this no, on the trailer. But there's a part that's like, I will watch this. I will hate this, but I will watch this because I have to. This is a train wreck that I will not want to stare at, but I will not be able to look away from. Oh my gosh! It's being done because you can. You can because the copyright is because because Disney doesn't own the copyright to the characters. It's been licensed since they made the first Winnie the Pooh shorts. Uh huh. And now Disney doesn't hold any control over it anymore, other than their own movies. Yep, exactly. All right, so. Apparently, there's a new movie coming out. I want to just let you guys in on this. What's going on? Uh, the Amazing Maurice. Uh, it is a movie coming out, coming out from uh, straight from. Oh, no wonder this makes sense. Um, you know when you when you write notes or you copy paste notes, you don't read them fully. It's like oh, okay, that's something I did today. So I'm just reading it right now. Uh, apparently, you didn't read the article before you I, put I, it in I notes. read the article, but I didn't you fully s- read the article. You skimmed the article, exactly. Okay, yeah. So, apparently, this is a Terry Pratchett this world coming oh, through the bit, coming through the big world. What did you say the name of the movie was? Uh, or have the, you said the name? The Amazing uh, Maurice and his rats. Yeah, and his rats. I have not actually read this book yet, but I, yeah, it's that is a Discworld book. Yeah, that's what I keep. Oh my he- word! I, I I saw that. I was like, wait a minute, Terry Pratchett. I was like, oh, I know what we're talking about now. 
Yeah. Because I have family members are like, oh my gosh, yes. This, this is world. going to be a trip no matter what it is. Exactly. So uh, this movie will be hitting theaters in the United States on February 3rd, 2023. Uh, a fresh trailer uh, has dropped featuring the brilliant con man cat and a helpless human catch up with his scores. Summary. Uh, Maurice is a streetwise ginger cat who comes up with a money-making scheme be, uh, by befriending a group of talk, uh, talking rats. When Maurice and the rodents... All right, so G-Kids has announced uh, that they are releasing New Gods Ying Jun. Sing, Ying Jun, I probably mispronounced it, but I apologize for that. Uh, apparently, it is from the powerhouse Japanese animated studio uh lightning chaser animation and apparently it is being released in america with an english dub uh january 20th 2023 apparently it's a follow-up to apparently this is the second installment of the studio's new god uh series of animated animated fantasy epics inspired by japanese uh, mythological feature, uh, myth, myth, uh, mythological feet now creatures, figures, figures. Let's say that right. Figures, you're trying to combine figure and creature into the yes, same. I was word. All right, terrible. I am terrible at speaking. All right, so we, we, I think we mentioned before there was a new trailer for the Super Mario Brothers uh, yes. movie coming out from Illumination and. And we didn't get a ch- we did not get a chance to react to this one just because of the timetable exactly. on it. So let's just go ahead and give our thoughts on that real quick. Uh, I am a little feeling a little bit better about Chris Pratt's voice for Mario. Oh. I will say that it is missing an energy that Charles Martinet's performance usually has. Right. And when you hear the other language versions, especially of the Yahoo. Mm-hmm. wahoo as he says it is everyone else has got the energy and for some reason chris pratt's version doesn't and i don't know why that is mm. but the rest of the thing it's like oh my word <laughs> the mario kart sequence oh, alone yes yes i oh want to see how they fit this into this adventure movie they're bringing into this yeah i agree i need explanations for how there's already a cart with that's obviously mario's mm-hmm. When it's very obvious he Mario came from a Brooklyn like location before he came to the Mushroom Kingdom. Mm. I need the explanations and I am looking forward to finding these out in April. <laughs> so yeah, the new trailer came out. Uh let us know down in the comments down below where you're watching this. Also, um, I like uh, Peach's voice. She sounded very good in this. Agreed. Also, I'm the kind I'm kind of type be like, if you hear a new voice and everybody's be like, Well, it's not the original voice. I was like, give it a chance when it comes to theaters. Yeah. Because we're yeah. only hearing like small little bits pieces. Yeah, of we are, we're not voice. we're not hearing it in context yet. Exactly. I I will say this, and, and I'm just a little uneasy because everyone else it already seems to fit, even in this limited context. Okay. Granted, yeah. 15 minutes into the movie, I will be fine. It just also feels like there being what few lines Mario has had to say in these trailers mm-hmm. is very. They're very short lines. Yeah. 
And I, I wonder, is he good? Not because granted, in the games, Mario talks less than everybody else does traditionally, mm-hmm. even in the uh, I don't just mean like in the platforms, and yeah, stuff. the RPGs like uh, Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars and all the Paper Mario stuff. Yeah. Luigi is a chatterbox. Mm-hmm. Mario never says anything outside of, yeah. Or, wahoo! You know, the yeah. normal Mario stuff. Right. And then Luigi, he'll say, he'll have his little thing, and then his text box will be like a paragraph, War and Peace-length novel of, we've got to go save the so-and-so from the who's what's it's and stop that evil lord bowser unless you're playing super paper mario and then it becomes you left me brother <laughs> you left i don't have a brother i served count black or whatever super paper mario was an amazing game mm. and i can't believe people don't know what it is luigi gets brainwashed into thinking he's doesn't have a brother oh fun working for the villains oh <laughs> That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, so going into a movie everybody thought was going to be really good is now getting panned. Let me explain. Strange World? Strange World. I haven't watched it yet. Me either. I haven't either. Uh, I'm hoping to watch it at some point, but just haven't got around to it yet. It's just life. Huh? That's just life. Exactly. We, we all get distracted by life. Thanksgiving was Thanksgiving was if they last wouldn't week. release stuff like this Thanksgiving weekend or the but, week I think it's actually the weekend before Thanksgiving yeah it was that's weekend. still busy time I mean really anything between uh uh Halloween and January is like too busy for us to schedule anything that is true but also that's very prime time to go watch for with kids I know, and I apparently know this movie's just bombing in theaters so I, I yeah, I've heard it's bombing too. I, I wonder if they just did not think this one through. Probably not. I mean, from my perspective, granted, I've seen two trailers. Mm-hmm. It was a great concept, but I have no idea how they're gonna how they're gonna pull it off. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like they've executed it very well. No, it doesn't. Which makes me worry if we might be heading back into another dark era of disney where they just aren't putting out a lot another of another bronze stuff. age well i'm thinking of stuff like the uh the early 80s where they had a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. wasn't received well at the very least whether the quality is another matter in the early 2000s and in the early 2000s we had one of those and i'm wondering if now with uh tangled and frozen and wreck it ralph and big hero six all these big things have hit and they're already starting to do sequels, which is almost unheard of for Disney. Mm-hmm. And some of them are okay, are, do, are doing good. Some of them are not doing good. Uh-huh. I worry if maybe Disney is just not sure what sells anymore. Right, possibly. All right, so let's Grant, get... like I said, I'm not talking about the quality of these movies. I'm talking yeah. about how well they're performing at the box office. True, very true. So let's get into the what the news says about this. Uh. Uh, family audiences haven't been too eager to go watch Disney's Strange, Strange, uh, Strange Worlds or Strange World this Saturday weekend so far. According to in, uh, indus- industry traders, the sci fi fantasy only made about $2.5 million on Tuesday and an estimated $4.2 million on that Wednesday, pulling, uh, 
putting on track to for an estimated 20 three million dollars for the first five days of the holiday however the film looks like to cap about 18.6 million with a five point with a five million five million dollar friday and a 4.3 million dollars on sunday on saturday uh the film is not doing very well overseas for for reasons here or there not again the full spoilers for the film uh, we're in primary markets of Russia, China, France, Middle East, uh, Mongolia, and Indonesia, and several several other territories. Uh, the film has only managed to eke out a measly 28, 28 million globally right mm. now. That is, because this movie, it was like $180 million to make, almost $200 million, And apparently Disney sticking to their guns with certain things is not helping with their, their global distribution of this film. So to end off news, to end off news uh, there again, this is not animated at all. This is, I think it's more personal for, for guys like us. Yeah. Uh, so last Sunday, last Sunday we lost uh, Jason D Frank. Also known as the Green Ranger from Mighty Morphin Power. That Powers. was not last Sunday. That was two Sundays ago. Two Sundays ago. I apologize. Uh, so I just wanted to give a shout out. Uh, be like, that was utterly shocking for most of us who definitely mm-hmm. grew up watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So, um, yeah. Just wanted to give a little shout out. Hit the little figure on our st- our stage right now in memory of JDF. You know what's ironic? What's that? The episode of Monster on Film Vault we yeah. recorded most recently on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah. Is the first episode of the Monster on Film Vault gonna that's gonna come out after he passed. Wow. Not planned no, at all, of course. And uh in fact I still don't think it's out, but that will be out as soon as he can get he can get finished with it, I'm mm. sure. But yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, agreed. And um, uh, I, he will def. Jason David Frank will definitely be missed. Agreed. Yeah, you know thoughts and thoughts and prayers go to his family and mm-hmm. all the the fan base out there because that was devastating. Yeah, uh, and and it was confirmed now that it was suicide. Mm-hmm. So we should say that you know if you are contemplating suicide, mm-hmm. uh, definitely call the suicide hotline. I don't remember the number eight nine nine eight nine nine. Thank you, and. uh yeah, because you, that's you. You are loved. Go, go listen to Geek Devotions, guys. Yeah. They'll they'll definitely make you feel loved. Exactly. Fact, they just recently put out a Green Ranger. They did devotion. So yeah, they did. Yeah. So yeah, be like yeah, like like I always try to say, you're not alone. You're not alone yeah. in this. If you're struggling with thoughts, please go to talk to somebody. Uh, like Drew said, you're loved. There's a ton of people out there who want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a Christian or not, go get help. Yeah. If you have, if you are dealing with those those thoughts just go talk to somebody that's all we ask yeah and so yeah it's the end of the news all right well then uh let's jump into the spoiler free section of our review for the muppets family christmas Mm -hmm. (sighs) certified fresh and spoiler free not that there's much to spoil if we're being honest no this is not exactly 
a uh, very heavy movie. No. It is a, literally, it is a Christmas special in every sense of the word you can think of that is not Star Wars, although Star Wars was trying, the Star Wars one was trying to go for this kind of also. Uh, I am convinced I have seen, I saw this at some point, Mm -hmm. maybe just uh, I turned the, changed the channel and it was on because I remember distinctly the Fraggle Rock section of this. Yeah. But, uh, I had not seen it. The reason it ended up on the list is I happened to catch a nostalgia critic review of this and it just looked like this was just a happy, happy, fun time. And mm-hmm. I kind of had a feeling after studio Ghibli, we needed something light. Yeah. <laughs> and not to say studio Ghibli movies, you're not, no, but I not. mean, they're usually, they're usually denser than yeah, a lot this. of films. And plus, when we were originally scheduling all this, I thought we were ending on Tales from Earthsea before schedule changed. And let's just say that's not what I'm looking forward to next year. Uh, From what I understand, we'll get there when we get there. But uh, this just looked like it would be a fun little holiday movie. Yeah. Just to kind of, you know, start start off the season happy with a little bit of joy. Exactly. And yeah, I, I actually did very much enjoy this. I will say, if you're going to look for it, uh, there are two different cuts that you will find mm. on YouTube, and we chose the wrong one. Apparently. Or I chose the wrong one anyway, because I'm the one who found the video. Yeah. Uh, there's one where it got cut down for, I think, some commercials, and they, and it's uh, it was like on a cable network, I think, so they cut it like shorter than they normally cut normally would have been cut for commercials to so add in more and then there's the original version i think that aired on was the cbs abc abc that also that makes me even more sense but yeah go find the longer version the one that's 55 minutes long because we right. saw the 45 minute long version true anyway what are your thoughts uh my thoughts first time i ever seeing this uh it was a pleasant surprise definitely with a lot of the reveals I'm like, oh, there again, this movie came out in 84. Yeah. Or it was a TV special back in 84. 84 or 87? 80, 87, I believe. 87. Okay. I thought it was 87. Yeah, 1987. I might be wrong, but we'll, we'll get there when we get there. And right. When we info and stuff. But I really enjoy this. I watch it. I'm like blown freaking away. It's like, oh, my gosh. They're bringing in Sesame Street. They're bringing in the Fraggles. And the the Fraggles blew my mind. I was like, "What? Are you are you kidding me? They're bringing these characters in." And far as I understand, my my limited scope of the Muppet world mm-hmm. be like these characters have never crossed over except for I think it was like uh, the Mupp the the Sesame Street gang were in the Sesame Street gang were in the final episode of uh, the Muppet Show, mm-hmm. and uh, of course they were cameo appearances of Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch in both the Muppet Movie and the Great Muppet Caper. There we go. And then and uh, then nearly every Muppet, both from Sesame Street and Muppet Sh- and the Muppet Show, were in the wedding scene at the end of. Uh, there we go. Uh, Muppets take Manhattan and then pretty much everyone all one of them was in uh 
the Muppet movie also in that final scene because that's the one where they had to get so many puppeteers mm -hmm. to handle every single Muppet on stage. Yeah. In fact, I think Tim Burton was one of those puppeteers, if I remember correctly, in huh. that scene. But anyway. Yeah, really enjoyed it. It was a it was a it was a pleasure and a treat to watch it. Uh it's definitely not a heavy story. It's a Christmas tale. It's a Christmas story where Muppets get together and cause mayhem and, you know, have a, uh, a, a Christmas spirit about it. Yeah. Yeah. How to recommend it. Go watch it where you can, because this is definitely not coming back. No. And, that, that, and that I will go ahead and tell you the reason Muppets are owned by Disney. Uh, -huh. uh, Sesame street, I believe is either completely owned by HBO now, which means it's Warner brothers. Mm hmm. And then Fraggle, the Fraggles, which apparently there is a new Fraggle Rock show. I yeah. did not know this until yeah. I was doing research. Uh, they are owned by Jim Henson. All three of these companies are not, they're not diametrically opposed per se, but it's going to take an act of God to get them to work together on the, on this and Disney this, and Warner brothers. And they're never going to, this is never going to get released. I think again, I am actually surprised that uh the avert it's only i think it's only because of uh the pre-existing deals that they have not been forced to be edited out of the or at least the uh sesame street gag hasn't been forced to be edited out of the muppet movie and it's all the uh, their other appearances and that stuff yeah because they have been edited out of the muppet show really the final episode that i mentioned yeah it ends on them singing can you tell me how to get to Sesame street with all the Sesame street characters showing up? Huh? It's cut. Huh? All you get is one little shot of cookie monster. Huh? Interesting. Because he has the same eyes as Marty Feldman. Huh? You don't know who Marty Feldman is, do you? No, I don't. You still haven't watched young Frankenstein yet. Have no, you? I haven't. Cause he's I Igor in that. Oh, okay. He's got one eye that looks that direction. Uh -huh. And another eye that looks that direction, and the guy is so comfortable with it, with, with the fact that he's got you know those kind of eyes right. that plenty of jokes are made out of it, and he's fine with it. He makes jokes about it himself. Okay, but anyway, all right. But I think that's going to be it for yeah, I think the so. spoiler free section. But a few spoilers there are. Uh, join us on the other side, and we will get to spoiling this thing. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out the Untold Podcast, which is a speculative fiction podcast using the genres of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, among others, in order to engage the culture's imagination from a Christian worldview. Every month, Nathan James Norman produces and narrates a new story presented in a unique and dynamic way. Check out The Untold Podcast at theuntoldpodcast.com to listen and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Josh Adams, Ashley Ruiz, Book of Gaming, and to get your name on the show, plus uncut episodes, early access to The Cellcast, plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. And 
I will say on that uh, Untold podcast, they have a Christmas episode they did a couple years back called White, spelled W-I-G-H-T, like mm-hmm. the ghost. White Christmas it is very good. Huh. Suggests if you're looking for a nice, maybe horror-themed Christmas story involving Mrs. Claus. Okay. Fighting ghosts. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Give that a sh- go, go. I think that's exactly what it was. Go give that a shot. That was a that was a great episode. So yeah, uh, let's go ahead and get into the review. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the film "The Muppet Family Christmas." Listener discretion is advised. Somewhat. The Muppet Family Christmas was directed by Peter Harris who did um, directed many episodes of the Jim Henson Hour, and Eric Till, who wrote directed uh, episodes of Fraggle Rock, huh. and was written by Jerry Jewell. Getting into the cast, of course, we've got Jim Henson as Kermit the Frog, Rolf the Dog, Dr. Teeth, Swedish Chef, Waldorf, Ernie, Guy Smiley, the Newsman, and he cameos as himself at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. He also played a bunch of the goblins in Labyrinth. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Frank Oz was, of course, Fozzie Bear, Animal, Miss Piggy, Bert, Grover, Cookie Monster, and Sam the Eagle. And in the movie Inside Out, he played subconscious guard Dave. Huh. Dave Goals, who voiced the great Gonzo, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, Boober, Fraggle, Zoot, Beauregard, and Uncle Traveling Matt, he played subconscious guard frank in inside out huh if you didn't catch the joke there Uh frank played dave dave played frank (laughs) i find this hilarious uh richard hunt voice scooter janice statler beaker gladys the cow two-headed monster and the snowman and he played the characters of charlie lizard and george rabbit in emma otter's jug band christmas oh my gosh yeah. which we are going to probably do next year probably i probably should have put it on the list this year uh jerry nelson was emily ma bear robin the frog so- sergeant floyd pepper count von count harry monster to the other two side of two-headed monster gobo fraggle and camilla the chicken and he was the voice of Emma Otter, Weasel, and Doc Bullfrog in Emma Otter's Jug Band Christmas. There we go. Catherine Mullen was the voice of Moki Fraggle. And in the movie Heat, she played a character named Doreen Daniel. Okay. Karen Prell was the voice of Red Fraggle and Maureen the Mink. Hmm. And uh, I had a hard time finding stuff for her that was not Muppet related okay but in something called the great bong she played little bong okay i have no idea what this is okay uh steve whitmire uh he was the turkey rizzo the rat wembley fraggle and sprocket the dog along with lips he would later go on to be the voice of kermit the frog for many years actually taking a bunch of uh Jim Henson's roles after he passed. Yeah. But he also played a character named Weldon, the IT guy in a show called Cave-In. Okay. After he got kicked out of the Muppets. Hmm. Carol Spinney was the voice of Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. And as you can imagine, 
that takes up most of his filmography because that's mostly what he did was that Harris was uh, those two characters. Mm. But he also played a character named Mr. Lion in Bozo's Big Top back in the 1960s. Oh, okay. David Redman, who was the voice of Miss Piggy's photographer in this, is the current voice of Scooter, Janice, and Beaker. Huh. And Jared, Gerard Parks, who played Doc in this, you know, the, yeah. the, the man, old man from Fraggle Rock. Yeah. He played another character named Doc in the Boondock Saints. Oh. And uh, Kingdom Hearts Connections. Want to take a guess? Two. No. One. No. Zero. Yep. There was nothing. Oh, wow. Okay. Absolutely cotton picking. Nothing. <laughs> I tried. I even, I, I haven't been doing the Smash Brothers ones that often anymore. Right. I looked there too, just in case. Nothing. Okay, then. So what do we got in info and stuff? All right, so... The movie came out in 87 on ABC. That's about all we know. Pretty much. You nearly stole all my thunder there, pal. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm sorry. All right, so IMDb. You got, I feel like you, you took two of them. That was about it. <laughs> There's probably only three things. IMDb it has a 3.3 out of 10. 8.3 out of 10. Yes. Production was Jim Henson Productions, mm -hmm. distributed by Jim Henson Productions and ABC Network. Its release date was November. November. Why am I thinking November? It's December. December 16th, 1987. It was, and it was released on DVD and Blu-ray, or DVD and VHS, but heavily edited. Right. Edited because the rights issues were already hitting them during the DVD era. Before after disney bought the muppets exactly and sesame street was already not playing ball before they got bought by hbo mm -hmm. yeah anyway that's it that's about what i figured uh-huh getting into the summary Fozzie bears driving many of the muppets to his mother emily's farm for christmas while they all sing we need a little christmas Unbeknownst to Fozzie, Emily Bear is preparing to go to Malibu for the holiday and rent her farmhouse to Doc and Sprocket, who went to spend a nice, quiet Christmas in the country. Doc and Sprocket have arrived when Fozzie and the other Muppets enter, disrupting Emily and Doc's plans for the holidays. Just then, Miss Piggy calls to tell Kermit the Frog that she is at a photo session and will be late, making Kermit very worried. Rolf the Dog and the Swedish Chef arrive, and they begin to prepare for Christmas. Meanwhile, Fozzie builds a snowman outside, and the snowman comes to life, singing along with Fozzie and putting on a comedy act with him. After the performance, Fozzie goes into the house where he tells Kermit about the new act. This is interrupted by Miss Piggy calling again when she tells Kermit that she is doing a little Christmas shopping before she goes to the farmhouse. Sometime later, the gang watches a home movie of themselves as babies during the first Christmas together. I really hope it's not longer than the version we actually saw, because that was hilarious how quick it was. <laughs> it was a lot longer, apparently. Uh, that's sad. A group of car carolers then arrive, consisting of Big Bird and the rest of the Sesame Street Muppets. All Hello. the Muppets continue to prepare for Christmas as the news comes on TV. On, on TV, the Muppet newsman reports that the worst blizzard in 50 years is approaching the area. Kermit realizes that Miss Piggy is out in the storm and gets more worried about her. Fozzie and Emily go over where everyone is going to sleep. Big Bird and Cookie Monster will sleep in the attic. Harry Monster will sleep in the bathtub, and Ernie and Bert will bunk with Kermit. 
the Sesame Street Muppets perform a pageant of Twas the Night Before Christmas, where the two hot-headed monsters portray Santa Claus, because he never got to act before. Uh. Kermit then gets a third call from Piggy, stating that her limo got stuck in the snow and that she is calling for a taxi. Fozzie approaches Kermit, saying that now's a good time to show him his new comedy act with the snowman, but their act is cut short. No thanks to Statler and Waldorf, who are friends with Emily. Feeling some sympathy for Kermit, Doc offers to go out looking for Piggy. Kermit is called to the basement where he and his nephew Robin find a fraggle hole and the fraggles. Finally, after Piggy makes her grand entrance, riding a dog sled with Doc, all the Muppets sing a medley of characters, carols, and swap presents, except Oscar the Grouch who just sits in his trash can, sighing very miserably due to his hatred of Christmas. Doc then comes in dressed as Santa, giving presents to the Muppets. At the very end, Jim Henson himself makes a cameo appearance, preparing to wash and dry the dishes with Sprocket. Meanwhile, Kermit and Piggy kiss under the mistletoe, wishing the home audience a Merry Christmas. Getting into the trivia. This is the second known Muppet production to feature the Muppets associated with all four of the major Muppet franchises, Mm. being the Muppet Show, Sesame Street, Fraggle Rock, and Muppet Babies, Mm. as puppets here. The first being... The Muppets, a celebration of 30 years in 1986. Though the special may seem easily found online, it is actually quite the opposite. The original television airing had numerous scenes and songs that have been removed from U.S. video release due to the rights of the characters and franchises being dispersed among different companies. The Muppets no longer share affiliation with Sesame Street and the Fraggles, as of the time writing of this trivia thing, were laid dormant. There is now a new show. Therefore, the special cannot air on television without obtaining licenses, and the home video releases have to be heavily altered to avoid any legal disputes. In other countries, the original uncut version can still be found, but still incredibly rare, and is sold for upwards of $100 through online auctions. At the end of Deck the Halls, Big Bird says, I love carols. Big Bird was, of course, voiced by Carol Sweeney. Mm-hmm. It's a horrible pun horrible horrible in the scene where kermit and robin encounter the fraggles they seem not to know what christmas is which ties in with the fraggle rocks fraggle songs 1983 episode the bells of fraggle rock lastly the line oscar refuses to sing in deck the halls Mm. is follow me in merry measure which makes sense because he is a grouch Mm. he's not very merry true that's the end of my trivia. What is your first like for this? My first like for this very, very, very merry movie was, or is, actually. Knowing what I know, I'm expecting, I expect I know what one of your likes is. Yeah. But continue. The monumental crossover with this film, our television special, was absolutely mind-blowing to, like, obviously... The the Muppet show the the Muppet showing up when uh, Fozzie's mom is on the way out. Yeah, she so like her her Airbnb guy she's, has already showed up. He's she is literally doing a skipping Christmas, a Christmas with the Cranks uh-huh. scenario. She is going on a cruise. We're not a cruise. She was, she's going to California, yeah. but still, she was this close, this close to getting house until everybody ransacks her house. Yeah, but uh. I enjoy that because you get there again, be like, it's okay. It's just another Muppet movie. Great. And then the Sesame Street gang shows up. I'm like, 
how in the war are they getting room for all these characters? Yeah. And then the the one that got me, and I'll, I'll bring up my favorite later, but this one got me when um, what is Kermit's nephew's name? Robin. Robin. So when Robin goes down to the basement, he's calling for his uncle Kermit to come down and be like, start talking about Fraggles. I'm like, no way on earth they got Fraggles in this movie. Because I've never be like, it is uncanny to think, be like, all of this was in one movie. And sure enough, they're mm-hmm. Fraggles. There again, I had not heard of a Fraggle until a couple of years ago. Yeah. On a, uh, a, a little YouTube channel called Toy Galaxy, who did a review over them. And I'm like, they actually exist. They're fraggles. Oh my gosh, this is freaking cool. Yeah. Or like watching like the 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 uh, the opening to the show. I remember as a kid, but that was it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. But I was like, this is freaking cool. This is like monumentally amazing that this little point in time on ABC they got all. Four, all four of these franchises that come together on one in one special to do this, and it's just monumentally amazing. And Muppet Babies, but puppets, okay, wasn't a fan of Muppet Babies. Well, moving on, I figure that's going to come up eventually because that <laughs> has to be one of your likes. How quick our version of it was. Like literally, it's like, oh, we all look so cute, and there's and there and there's animal busting right through the screen. It's like, wow, that was a whole one second. Uh-huh. <laughs> that to me was. Funny. I do it's remember like, that scene. That's right. I never. Like, oh, we're so cute. There's animal. That's like, okay. Okay, and that's over. It's like I really hope that's all there is. I really want that to be the entire thing they ever did. No, it wasn't. Which is, yeah. I just thought just that was hilarious to me how that how at least on our edit yeah how quick it was it's like yeah we're this is here because we need it and we're done <laughs> yeah pretty much but I thoroughly enjoyed the idea that you had all four of these mm-hmm. come together for one for one special that is never going to get duplicated again unless by the miracle of the Lord they somehow they like come together and do it again but. Highly doubt it. Considering but, Disney barely knows what to do with the Muppets now anyway. That is true, but it was wonderful to watch. That's my first. So my first like on this is going to come with a little bit of a story. Okay. While the Muppets did take up a big portion of my childhood growing up. Yeah. A lot of it did start, though, with Sesame Street. Okay. And I enjoyed Sesame Street as a kid. Growing up, it was a great show. Yeah. Probably, there's are there still, uh, like, the little cartoon shorts that still go through my mind, like, when I'm counting 1 to 10? Yeah. Or really 1 to 12 is the one I'm thinking of with the little ball rolling around. You know the one I'm talking about? I didn't watch Never Sesame mind. Street growing up. Never mind. But of all of the Muppet characters, there was one Muppet that after this character got added, the show went downhill, in my opinion. Okay. And almost every character that they introduced after that point 
had some bit of this character in it mm-hmm. because they're obviously playing off the popularity of this one character. Now, granted, it was the popularity. It just it made, the character wasn't for me because I mm-hmm. find this character annoying. But that character, while probably still very early on since he showed up, uh, is in this movie. Okay. And I am so happy that Elmo has no lines in this film. He's there and he doesn't have doesn't get to say a word outside of singing them stupid songs. I'm not saying the songs are stupid. You know what I mean. I was like, yes, Elmo had to shut his trap for the whole movie. Thank you. I hate you, Elmo. <laughs> Elmo is my most hated character. And every bit of what I don't like about Sesame Street, the new Sesame Street characters that came after his creation is because they all are based somewhat based on what made Elmo popular. And, the, you know, because everyone has this sort of thing. Right. You have that one thing. It's like, this is what ruined it. Elmo is that thing because Elmo is the most annoying character that the Muppets ever made. Okay. So I, I've, I've got to say something with that. So there again, I did not grow up watching Sesame Street at all, but I did grow up watching Turtles. Mm-hmm. So the 1989 Elmo is the Venus de Milo of the Mupp- of no, Sesame Street, no. except people liked Elmo for some reason. Yeah. Let, let me give to let me finish. So, <laughs> so with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990, the movie, yeah, you know who voiced Splinter? Yes, I do. Elmo, it's the guy who voiced <laughs> Elmo. It's, it's Kevin Clash. Yes, <laughs> that's the thing. Kevin Clash is does a lot of Muppet stuff too later on. Because uh, he he uh, well, you know, by this time he had joined the Muppet performers, at least right. Sesame Street stuff. But he will voice a couple characters when they started Muppets Tonight, that TV show. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's not like he's not involved. It's just yeah. and Kevin Clash, I think, actually does a good job in the acting department. Yeah, it's just that his most famous character is one I absolutely hate. Yeah, me hearing that voice is like that's a little much, just a yes. little bit. Elmo says that uh, Leonardo, Raphael, and Donatello, and which one am I missing? I'm missing one. Oh, you need to go out and fight the feet shredder. (laughs) The foot clan is destroying the city. Do not destroy my childhood, man. (laughs) Do not destroy my childhood. (laughs) You evil, evil man. Hush. Don't do it. Do not do it. This episode of Sesame Street is brought to you by the letter C for Cowabunga. <laughs> Woo, there we go. <laughs> Splinter oh. loves you. <laughs> mm. Revenge is sweet, my friend. Very, very sweet. <laughs> it is a dish best served cold. And yeah, exactly. In Texas right now, it is very cold. <laughs> Either or. (laughs) That's going to get a commercial. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be nice. All right. So, oh my gosh. Yes, that was funny.
Oh, anyway, yes, yes, Elmo, the my most hated character <laughs> in the Muppet history, doesn't get to speak of this, so that's why it's my first slide. Nice, very nice. <laughs> oh my gosh, my second like it goes to special cameos. Freaking Jim Henson shows up. <laughs> I didn't know this. He didn't tell me. Why would I spoil this? Of course not. I wish I had to known before I put it on the list, but because I watched that nostalgia critic review, I knew it was coming. Yeah. I wasn't so sure I'm, where it was, but so I knew I'm, it was coming. So I'm watching the film and like it's getting towards the end. It's slidey dotty da. And then they pan to the kitchen. It's like, oh my gosh, it's Jim Henson. Because you never see this guy actually act. Except for this. Well, he's got cameo appearances. He, he is does have a scene in, uh, I don't remember which one of the three movies we've already reviewed, where he's on a carriage. Might have oh, been uh, Great right. Muppet Caper. That's where he is. Okay, because Frank Oz has a cameo in that same one where he's, where uh, Gonzo says, hey, maybe I can get a nice picture of you and your wife. Oh, my wife's not feeling well. Oh, maybe she should have stayed at home. And he says, my wife is at home. Oh. <laughs> but just like just seeing that because there again my one of my childhood favorite movies of all time tdb turtles movie with that being one of his last projects he ever did and to see him in this movie was fantastic because jim henson is a freaking tour de force when it comes to puppetry and mm -hmm. all that <coughs> but i found it just very enjoyable seeing him in the kitchen with uh what's the dog's name sprocket 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 the dog uh and i just found that very a, a very enjoyable moment to see jim henson not doing this number and, oh he does a lot of that too yeah and and talking is a frog hi ho yeah but i just found that incredibly uh delightful and brought a smile on me something like I literally, I literally did the, the, I literally did the dog head turn. It's like, what did I just, <laughs> did I see that right? But yeah, that was a, that was a wonderful surprise. And thank you so much for not spoiling that. Thank You're you. Because I, I know you said something at the end. Yes, there was something, there's at something the end. cool at the end. So yeah, it was Jim Henson's little cameo at the end of this film. Very pleasant, very pleasant, and just nice to just have them in the film. So, so that's my second. So this is my second like also. Okay. Uh, it was nice seeing him because you don't get to see him often. No. Uh, there are some interviews that he did on like, I think it was the Tonight Show, mm -hmm. where he is there with Kermit and you can actually see him performing Kermit next to himself. Nice. And uh, there's some things like that, but you just don't get to see him that yeah. often, especially this era, because this is like just a year or two prior to his suicide or not mm -hmm. suicide, his death. I don't remember his how, death. I don't remember how he died. Yeah. I think he died of cancer. Yeah. It was cancer. Sorry. Uh, but this is like a year or two before he died. And uh, most people don't know this. I don't think, but he was already on the verge of selling, not just the Muppets, mm -hmm. but all of the Jim Henson company to Disney at this time. Mm -hmm. And it fell through right after his death. And then the family decided they didn't want to sell and they, but they sold the Muppets because they needed money. Mm -hmm. But 
beside the point. That's also the reason why Disney made the uh, Muppet uh, Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island uh, in production with them because they already had these deals in place and Disney was being incredibly nice helping them get these two movies out. Yeah. But yeah, this is, uh, I love the, his cameo in this. It It's a, this is a nice like three second cameo. It's, it's meant to be, it's like all Christmas specials. You have some people who just show up for a second and mm-hmm. it's just important that they showed up and that's what this is. But I have to some degree, if you're a kid, you're going to go, who's the old guy? Mm-hmm. Where did he show up? Uh, so yeah, I, I do like that Jim Henson is in this. It's it's a nice little cameo and it's nice. It's, it's nice and heartwarming that he's, that he is able to be in this. Mm-hmm. The father of figure of this whole Muppet family. So what's your third like? My third like would be the interaction between, I, I thought it was absolutely hysterical how they did this, was Big Bird, <laughs> of how big this character is. You put him in a kitchen scene with the Swedish chef. Yeah. <coughs> After the turkey sells Big Bird out. Ouch. That was hysterical. That was fun. That was funny. Because the Swedish chef's been trying to get uh, catch the turkey all night long. And finally, says, okay. I'll confess, I am the Christmas turkey. Mm-hmm. But why go for the small meat when you can, well, why don't you just take a look at this? And he opens the door, and there's Big Bird. It's like, and you just see the Swedish chef's mouth open in shock. Oh. It's like, ooh. And yeah, then. Yeah, absolutely hysterical. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, it's like, you know, like, like you said, the turkey sells Big Bird out. And it is absolutely hysterical. The big bird, like you've got this enormous figure, like turning around, turning around in this scene with a Swedish chef who's trying to figure out how do I do this with this bird? Yeah. Like, how do I make this bird into a meal? How do I cook this bird? And it's just, it's a very funny interaction. And I found it yeah. very funny, very and cute. It's, and it's very heartwarming. It is. There's a lot of heartwarming in this. Yeah, agreed. There is. So. Yeah, just that that whole scene with the Swedish chef and Big Bird, and I don't know how they pulled it off with this. They do a massive set in order to get this, you know, Big Bird. He's a big bird. Well, let me let me help put it into perspective mm-hmm. about what we're actually seeing here. Yeah, Big Bird is performed with Carol Spinney in the Big Bird costume. Yes, especially at this time because he would have been young enough he could still do that. Uh huh. He'll have one hand reach uh, uh pretty much straight in the air controlling Big Bird's mouth mm-hmm. with another hand controlling which uh one of the whichever wing is closer to the camera. Uh-huh. Swedish Chef is performed by two actors. Mm-hmm. One performing the mouth and two real life human hands. Yeah, if you ever see pictures of Swedish Chef and he's got mup standard muppet hands, that's because there is when when they're doing uh like the still shots, they do have a version of Swedish Chef that has regular yeah. Muppet hands. But when he's actually doing a lot of the performance, he has real human hands. And I believe in the early days, it was actually Jim Henson who did the hands. Really? And it's his wedding ring that is still has ends up being replicated on every new person who does Swedish Chef because huh. they have because the Swedish Chef is married and has a ring hmm. because Jim Henson had a ring ah and didn't take it off during the shoot. Got it. So, uh. So you've got one guy who has to be standing on, you know, the standard 
human platforms that they have around the sets to be very careful because to make room for the areas where the Muppet performers are sticking their hands up through the floor. Uh huh. And there's two of them that have to be very close to, uh, there's two people who, who get like very close into where big bird and Swedish chef are. And it's like, wow, that, that had to take some logistics uh -huh. that I can't even fathom. Keeping all three of the keeping all three of the people running that without uh, crashing in and falling over and killing each other. Yeah, agreed, completely agreed. Yeah, that scene was absolutely hysterical, mm -hmm. and definitely how they pulled it off was just wow. Yeah. So yeah, that's my number three. My third like, and this is just going to sum up my what I love about this film is this is just a happy, warm, fun time. Agreed. This yeah. is. If the the message of this is in the first song, we need a little Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's about getting together uh, with with your family, whether it's your actual family or your found family, and having a big happy time. Uh, you know, enjoying each other's company. That exactly. is what this message, this movie, is tr trying to get across. And you know, it starts off like every musical number is a group number. I mean, there's like one or two, mm -hmm. maybe two at the most where it's less than five characters. And one of them is that sweet. is the one between Swedish chef and big bird. Yes. And that's just a kind of a duet, which is hilarious with the Swedish chef singing his part in the, in the faux Swedish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's it all it's about being together and it comes right and, and my favorite part of this is still the medley of christmas carols at the very end exactly. it's a good 10 minute section yeah of them just singing christmas carols it, it's and you're just allowed to exist in this warm fuzzy moment and you're wanting to sing all right along with them uh-huh it's and then and then of course they're give they give gifts to each other which is nice uh but I mean, it's just a even the spot where they go down to fra the, to the Fraggle Rock area, and they explain Christmas to the Fraggles, hmm. which they didn't know at Christmas, but they had something similar because they give this rock pebble uh, to each other back and forth, mm -hmm. and one of them finally gives it to Robin, and then Robin gives it to was it uh, Fozzie? I think it was Fozzie. I think it was Fozzie. Uh, and it was just all of that was just so it's just so sweet and I, I left and I, when, when the video came uh, went to credits I was just smiling and happy and that's what this is it's just a good as much as we need meat when it comes to entertainment yeah big dense stuff like what we just got through three weeks of with uh, Studio Ghibli yeah. month as great and amazing as that was as good a full steak dinner mm -hmm. as that was sometimes it's nice just to have something sweet and probably not healthy for you but yeah. tastes good and makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside agreed actually i'm not even gonna say it's it's that it this is i know you hate soup not the biggest fan of it yes but let me give you my example here okay uh you know all this week or all, all the weekend over Thanksgiving, we had 
these big turkey dinners with the mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. all this, you know, all those your standard uh, Thanksgiving trimmings. Exactly. Uh, and, and that was good and all, but on Sunday for lunch, hmm. we uh, we had a we had a soup. Okay. The uh, my mom my mom makes this great soup, and I've got the recipe, and I think I've even made it for the singles group once. Okay. Uh, the sausage, bacon, and bean soup. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is my favorite soup. If Studio Ghibli month was that nice big turkey dinner with all the fixings. Mm-hmm. This was that sausage and this movie was that sausage, bacon, and bean soup that tastes good, mm-hmm. is filling, and makes me feel warm and happy. Okay. Fair enough. That's just what this was for me. This was a nice bowl of soup on a cold day. Gotcha. Of my favorite soup. Nice. Very, very nice. And that's my uh, third like. Okay. Which brings us to dislikes. Ooh. What's your first dislike? My first dislike of this film. Besides the fact the Muppet Babies were in it. Oh, I, I had no problem because they were in it. <laughs> they, they were, were in gone. It. Yeah, our first I was, was like, like a second. Okay, it's there, gone. We're good. I, I, I'm not kidding. As much as I watched Muppet Babies as a kid and I don't didn't have quite the adverse reaction to it you've got. Right. But I was like, that was when that part started, I was like, this is this is the part I'm not looking forward to because it's gonna be Nah, because this is not the most Muppet Babies was not the most well written stuff of the Muppets. That's oh, just yeah. plainly obvious. It's mm-hmm. just what it was what it was. And the fact that it's over and done in a second, it's like, thanks, that's all I needed from this. But yeah, what is your actual first dislike since it's not the Muppet Babies that even show, daring to show their faces? My first is like, we are not going to get a new release of this film. We're not going to okay, get a yeah. Blu ray. We're not going to get digital. It will it's, never happen. The best we've got is the 4K super sample that we watched. Yeah, exactly. That's and, it. And you can tell the backgrounds that it is an upscale. Yeah. And it's just, it's sad. When, be like, when you get something that, like Drew described it as like a, a very nice, warm meal that you really enjoy and you want to enjoy again, but you just don't have the opportunity to do that with like the the current the circumstances in which this mm-hmm. movie is stuck in limbo now and you can only watch it on like we watched it on uh, YouTube. youtube so i'd be like for me i would be like if it was up to me i would go buy this on blu-ray somewhere but obviously sadly you can't yeah so that just made me a little sad and just like come on guys come together come on let's do this but probably won't happen Agreed. So that's that's my number one dislike. It's like we're not going to get another uh, unless unless like somehow Shout Factory gets a hold of it and can do like some kind of mumbo jumbo. It'd be have to be some weird third party deal because they'd have to negotiate rights from all three companies, and even then, you couldn't get the full version of it anyway. It depends on if the full version, even uncut version, even exists anywhere. That's true. That's the other thing because. This was made in 87. It was probably been shot on videotape. It looks like it was shot on videotape. Yeah, it was shot on videotape. So, I mean, you're not going to get any better quality than DVD, to be honest. True. Um, Assuming that uh, one of the three companies somehow has this in their archives and it's still in good shape and it's not just been left to deteriorate, Mm -hmm. there's no good way we're going to get this ever outside of what's available on YouTube. Which is sad. Yeah, this, agreed. This is fun. This I is agree. a nice, fun 
show. Mm-hmm. What is your first dislike? My only dislike, if we're being honest. Okay. This is the only thing I had in dislikes. I tried to think of two more. This is the only thing I could come up with. Even if you take away the scenes we know were cut short Mm -hmm. for our version we watched, a lot of plot lines that they introduce here are rushed and completed like within like within the same scene that the plot line was introduced in. Yeah. Like uh Ma going on Ma Bear going on her vacation for Christmas, going down to California. By the time the Muppets show up, she's like, Oh, well, I guess I'm not going anywhere. I don't care that I wasted all this money. Yeah. That's gone. Oh, uh we Doc. Doc's he's he he complains throughout the entire film. It's like, this was supposed to be my quiet weekend. I say all through the film. But after 15 minutes, he's like, Well, I guess I'm hanging out with y'all. Y'all, this looks like fun. Yeah. Like, You're not anyway. Yeah, I get it. I I get it, but it's like, eh. You, and I get it. We only have, I think, t- the t- total runtime for the uncut version is fifty-two minutes. Yeah. So I get we don't have a lot of time, and this is not meant to be a serious plot-driven thing. Right. And almost every plot thing in here is a joke. Yep. For intensive purposes, but it's like, at, at the longest running. Uh, plot line in this is Miss Piggy taking her good sweet time getting to the cabin by doing all these other things and then getting caught in the storm. But even that was just a series of running gags. Yeah, that was that. That's like the like I said, it's the only closest thing to continuity throughout the whole thing. But and I get that was that's not the point. I do get that's not the point. But it's just like I feel like if you're going to introduce a lot of these different plot lines. Granted, you do have to have, give all your characters agency, right. at least all the main ones. At least let them complete it before you just drop it. Yeah. It seems like so many of them, they got dropped, at least on our version, seemingly off screen. Yeah. I mean, we still don't know what happened to the snowman. True. Last we saw him, he was outside saying, it's cold out here. That was the last time we saw him. Yeah, Granny Hill melts when the snow melts, but still. Yeah. I don't care how magic he is. But yeah, it's just all all, all the little plot lines in mm-hmm. this that they bring up, they are just gone almost sometimes, like I said, within the same scene they were introduced in. Strangely enough, I think this is gonna sound like heresy. Dum, mind dum, you. Dum. Star Wars Holiday Special, I think, is does better with its plot lines than this does. And actually letting them complete, letting them have some gravitas and some wow. weight. Now, admittedly, there's it's a lot of skits with one main storyline. Yeah. So it's a lot easier to work with. This feels like about 30 skits crammed together. And the only reason we say it's a plot line is because it, they there were skits that played in between the beginning of it and the end of it. Fair. So fair. Uh yeah, it's it's it just feels like a lot of things that should have caused more tension, mm-hmm. and in re- I hate to say in real life, but basically, if this sort of stuff actually happened, it would be it would cause more tension. It would it, it cause more in- a lot of interest. Yeah, stuff we don't get to see the Muppets or really the Sesame Street characters get to do a lot of, where they actually have this these fun not say fun but actually get at each other's throats. Okay. 
I kind of wanted to see that at some point. But we never get there. And it's like everyone's just super happy at the end. And yeah, I get that's the point. But it's just like I was wanting this to have just a little bit more weight to it. I guess that's all it comes down to. And I could see plenty of ways they could have done it. And they dropped the ball every time. Like I said, I get it. I just wish there was there was just a little bit more oomph to it. Uh, do you have any more dislikes? I'll, I'll just I'll just jump off yours. I completely agree with you that there again, this story is very rushed. the The plot lines kind of go they're here and they're done, and so many of them are dropped. But uh, I would agree that this is a, a special. It's under an hour. So you don't have a whole lot of wiggle room to work with. Yeah. And especially when you're combining four different franchises into one exact show. I mean, the Fraggles barely get any screen. You only get like maybe five, maybe 10 minutes total screen time. It's a lot quicker than the Muppet babies in this version. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. But that was funny. That was was hilarious. That was funny. But yeah, I, I do agree with you. Be like, yeah, this, if, if they could have took their time and like flesh out the story a little bit more and had our characters interact more, it would have probably been a more, a more fluid story. But there again, you know, this was a, Hey, this is special for ABC. Right. Only time we're going to be able to do this. And I get that. I mean, it's just, I've seen a couple of the other Muppet specials plus, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol. And I've seen what they can do even with the limited limitations they have with mm-hmm. such a big cast and i just was like could you be more like these other things mm-hmm. be a little bit more like all this other stuff and it's like well it's still fine it is what it is i don't i hate i hate bashing this at all right. to be honest but if i'm gonna say there's something i just wish was better yeah it's just like i wish oh, more of these plot lines had a little more weight behind them if you're gonna do it if you're gonna have I think it could have been better if they would have maybe not had two or three of these plot lines and then just focused on maybe one or two. Okay. The piggy one and the and Swedish chef trying to get the turkey. Got it. Because those are the two main ones throughout the whole thing, to be honest. They maybe kind of a couple of other ones, but just make it more skit-like instead of another plot line that's going to weave throughout this film and ultimately not go anywhere. Agreed. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're good. I completely agree with you on that. <coughs> yeah, if this movie would have had been able to breathe a little more as a story, I would I would agree with you that they this be like it would have made it a little more a little more cohesive and would have brought the story together. But mm-hmm. there again, understanding limitations, but is what it is. And granted writing christmas specials is hard yeah because you got to have all these big yeah they're all almost all these are series of skits most of the people most of them they lean into it by saying look how silly and goofy and obviously tacked on this cameo this character's appearance is yes that's and that's how a lot of them cheat at it this is actually trying to produce a actual cohesive story and it's just it gets close gets really close and it's just, meh. got it. Ultimately, drops the ball, but it's still I, I like it. It's still fun. All right. So yeah, I agree. That is my second as well. The, you know, like I just said, I don't need to repeat myself again. Yeah. Sorry, I keep interrupting. You're good. 
All right, so that like I don't have a third, so going to yeah, score. let's go into our summary. What are you rating this thing? Oh, this is a nine. This is a solid really? nine. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's like like you said, be like it's a nice sweet thing that you can just sit and enjoy. Uh, throw it on YouTube. Find the longer cut of this if you can. Yeah, definitely find the longer and, cut. Uh, I wish there was a way that we could, you know, tell these companies like, "Hey, we want this get together," because that the fat the, fa- the fandom has been able to rally together, get things done that the 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 big corporations wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And I really wish, I really wish that they would, you know, kind of put their differences aside, come together, put this on where people can watch it because it's really good. And uh, there again, there's not a whole lot of meat on this, so but there again, it's, just, it's it's a nice little cameo. It's a nice little movie that we can watch and enjoy. So yeah, I'll give it a nine. Yeah, I, I'm actually giving it an eight. Really? Yeah, it's it is good. It's there is a part of me that can't, even though it is, I know what this is supposed to be. Uh huh. There is a part of me that can't really rate something that's kind of this um not cheesy cheesy is the wrong word there there is an element of this that is a tv budget that it does not rise above agreed uh and i think that's what is it really is what what brings it down it's like it could be better Mm -hmm. i can see so many ways it could be better even though i do love it for what it is right um so yeah that's why i'm giving it an a it's like it's not bad it's just it could be better got it without much work i think but at the same time how are you going to get all of the big sesame street and muppet show characters together where it doesn't feel like it's rushed and cramped much like that house was (laughs) oh yeah very much agreed so yeah that brings us to the end of this review next week we are going to be looking at the polar express yes a film that will teach us all the meanings of the phrase the uncanny valley <laughs> boy uh, it's not that it's bad and, uh, and this is one of those where it's like this is that's just one of the issues that this film has right. uh it, it, it is a good film i've seen it a couple times have you seen it no i have not okay um but yeah it, it's uh, the biggest issue this is one of those uncanny valleys where the problem is they mo-capped characters who didn't need to be mo-capped yeah and plus this is like really when was the movie came out 2004 yeah this is like right when cg was really starting to explode yeah and so they're trying they're trying they're trying to expand mm-hmm. the 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 domain of digital com- uh computers yeah or com- you know computer generated imagery and for and- some reason deciding that cartoons could not exist in the 3d world so they go more 2d got it they go more uh trying to be serious which don't get me wrong it is still serious but it's yeah. also trying to match the art style in the book and it yeah. does do that but anyway gotcha there's a reason they dress up our the rusk state railroad out there as the polar express nearly every year uh-huh. at least i still think they do that mm-hmm, they didn't hurt seen that announced yet this year but... no they're doing it okay i just hadn't seen it but anyway join us next week for that mm-hmm. Right for now, though, we've got to jump into another couple episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks. (laughs) 
space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Sorry, I just love that song. Of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, first oh, episode of tonight yes. is Mining the Minds Minds. That's a tongue twister. Mining the Minds Mind. Minds. Get it said right in a second. Uh, this episode is directed by uh, Phil Mark Sagadraka. I hope I said that right. And written by Brian D. Bradley. In this episode, on a remote science outpost, stone orbs are bringing fantasies to life, while Tendi starts her first day as senior science officer trainee. Guest casting, or guest casting, the guest cast for this one includes Lauren Lapkus as both Jennifer Shrayan and Werewolf Jennifer. Werewolf Jennifer. That's how it listed it. Agreed. Ben Rogers as Steve Stevens and the patient in sickbay. Ah. Carl Tart as Core D and the Borg Snake. The Borg Snake? You forgot about did, the Did Borg I S- miss this? <laughs> the one that shot the basketball at them in the cave? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I was like, what the fudge is so going you, on? I, I just, that's the thing about this particular episode. If you have not seen this, everything I've just said sounds like chaos. It does. And it is. <laughs> Paul F. Tompkins as Miglimo and. It just says young. <laughs> young. Young someone. <laughs> I don't remember who. Uh, Baron Vaughn as mayor and Carrie Walgreen as Kearns. And a special guest star for this episode, Susan Gibney as Dr. Leah Brahms, mm-hmm. which I'm guessing you I have no, no idea, idea who, who that is. is. <laughs> so the character of Dr. Leah Brahms is a leader in warp field theory and contributed to the development of the Galaxy-class ship's warp drives. Ah. That's who the main idea behind this character is. Uh, She first appeared in the Next Generation episode, Booby Trap, Mm. as a hologram that Chief Engineer Jordy LaForge accidentally creates in the process of trying to figure out how to have the Enterprise escape an energy trap. Mm. Basically, every time the the Enterprise got stuck in this one location, and every time the Enterprise would do something to kind of, you know, start the engines to move out right the whatever was causing this would suck all the energy out of the drive and keeping the enterprise from moving oh that's what they were trying to get past uh turns out that the hologram program is a little too good as holographic brahms and Jordy start to develop feelings for each other throughout the episode by the end of the episode when Jordy has to turn off the program it plays like two lovers saying goodbye to each other oh if Jordy would have been smart, he would have deleted this program. 
However, in the Next Generation episode, Galaxy's Child, which mm-hmm. was in the following season, okay. the real Dr. Leia Brahms comes on board to study the Enterprise, uh, to the Enterprise, to study the engine modifications Jordy has made over the years. Oh. As the Enterprise is heading through an asteroid field, they get attacked by a spaceborne life form. Defending themselves, the Enterprise accidentally ends up killing this life form, which turns out to be pregnant. And after performing the equivalent of a C-section to save the child, the child decides that the Enterprise is its mother and attaches itself to the ship, feeding off the warp drive. Oh, fun. As Geordi and Brahms attempt to figure out how to quote-unquote sour the milk to make it disengage, Leah comes across the holodeck program from Booby Trap. Oh. And you can imagine how that went. Specifically, when we see Jordy comes in and finds Dr. Brahms facing herself, it is the, it is the scene from the, her final appearance in Booby Trap where she says, Jordy, when you are working on my, uh, I am in these engines. When you are working with them, you are working with me. Oh and something God. to that effect. It's like, oh, wow, this is like the worst place you could have come awkward. in on. <laughs> like, I think I'd be like, Jordy, like, get, beam me up, Scotty. Now. Uh, so yeah, that's who Dr. Leia Brahms is. Gotcha. Uh, the also in the epi- in the episode, we see a Kuku Khan, the snake flying snake monster. Okay. Uh, which previously appeared in the animated series episode House Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth. Okay. Fun fact: If you've seen uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, Kuku Khan is the name that the that the uh, the Mayan people that uh, mm-hmm. Namor's from call him because they believe him to be a representation of their oh. god. It, it, they are based off the same source material. Got if it. you're trying to figure that one gotcha, out. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, the psychic minds that appear in this episode produced a similar effect as the technology used on the Shoreleaf planet from the original series episode Shoreleaf mm-hmm. and the Star Trek animated series sequel once upon a planet as well as the fantastical alien illusions experienced aboard deep space nine in that episode in their episode if wishes were horses this episode features the first appearance of the excelsior class uss hood and the excelsior class in general in animated form the uss hood first appeared in the next generation that premiere encounter at farpoint the appearance of Cordy is the first reappearance of the Zaldin race since the Next Generation Season 1 episode, Coming of Age, which aired 34 years previously. Hmm. This episode references several past incidents experienced by the Lower Deckers aboard the Cerritos, including Boimler and Rutherford's descriptions of that Klingon who took off, the, took off with the ship when he was drunk from Envoys, the time they tussled with Mugatos, in Mugato Gumato, mm. the two times that they tussled with the Packleds, mm-hmm. no small parts, and Wedge Dudge, the time they s- scared the crap out of that drill instructor in I Excretus, mm-hmm. and the later description of the, by the Carlsbad Lower Deckers to the time the Cerritos Lower Deckers stood strong in an alien trial, which was later clarified as more of a party yeah. in Veritas. 
Uh, this episode included the use of a hand phaser to heat rocks, much like was accomplished by Sulu and was first seen in the original series episode, The Enemy Within. Mm. Stevens mentioned that when he was turned to stone, he was he declared brain dead, but saw a koala sitting on a black mountain. This is a reference <laughs> to the episode's moist vessel where it is mentions the universe is balanced on the back of a giant smiling koala. Remember the one, the, the guy was trying to ascend, but was actually oh. faking it. But oh. then he does ascend and we see him. He says the, 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 the universe is ruled by a giant koala. Why does he smile? What does he know? You don't remember this? I remember this. I remember this. Uh, wow. Uh, where it's mentioned the universe is balanced on the back of a, of a giant smiling koala. And we'll always have Tom Paris, where Shax mentioned it during the explanation to Rutherford about how he came back to life. Yeah. Which we never got a full explanation for, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, that's the end of the trivia for this one. What are your thoughts on this episode? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, this, like, I, I, there again, limited understand, limit, limited exposure to all of Star Trek. Trek, yeah. Trek, right? Trek, Trek, Star Trek. There's an E, not an A. Okay. Star Trek. Oh my gosh. Either or, moving on, <laughs> moving on here, people. Where I embarrass myself even more with Star Trek stuff. Moving on. Moving on. Um. Oh man, that's just the the fact that they they encounter these rocks that will make you, uh, like your your deepest fantasy come to life, and that's turn you starts to stuff. anyway. Huh? That's how it starts anyway. That's how it starts anyway. Then it turns into a nightmare. Which I find hysterical. I especially love the Klingon clowns. Oh gosh, <laughs> the Batleth arms. <laughs> Those were funny. Those were funny. Uh, the part that got me more was uh, Tindy trying to be insertive or trying to, you know, buck up to the captain. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, I, I just found it very interesting. I, I found that more interesting than the the I guess you would call the the main plot. I guess this is actually, I think, one of the weaker episodes this season. Yeah, I would agree. I'll admit, because it's the one that's the most off the wall. Yeah. Well, outside of maybe the next one. But, um, yeah, I, I I see what you're saying, how Tendi's trying to uh, be more assertive so that she can try and be a senior science officer uh, would be a more interesting story. Yeah, and also her fact to be like, she's the one who picks up on the uh, the the transponder. Yeah. They're like, oh, there's a weird frequency going on here, and everybody's just ignoring her. And she finally just is like enough, just smashes this thing, revealing the uh the, the power source. The, huh? The power source the power inside. source. Where these two people are communicating or they're working together to get more information from Starfleet. The rock, huh? rock based life forms and the outpost scientists. I thought that was clever. I thought that was clever. <laughs> the end of it was great. The like the psychedelic, uh, all the monsters are trying to kill you kind mm -hmm. of thing. Going to turn you into stone. That was funny, but the Tindy story was better. It was more better. Yeah. It was a little more fleshed out. It was a little more intriguing. But yeah, I real I enjoyed the episode. It's a little weak with its 
I think it's a plot. It's B plots better. If they would have stuck more with the B plot, I thought it would have been better. Yeah. I agree with you there, right. actually. Uh, I don't think this was the best way to use Dr. Leia Brahms's character, even though I get the joke. It being a reference to how she is, how uh, her first appearance, basically. Right. Um, and that apparently a lot of engineers have the same type of fantasies, I guess. Weird. Because uh, that's the entire reason Rutherford had a fantasy on her, because Jordy had a fantasy of her. It's like, yeah, you know, these are different people. Yeah. I, I get maybe he could have a crush, but still. It's like, oh, yeah, we we all have, like, you know, our crushes on this character. I'm like, really? Yeah. Just, I, just because she created the warp core? <laughs> she didn't create the warp core. She just made it made it better, better. basically. Made it better. I really don't know a good way to explain it because wow. she's just a leader in the field, and she's the one who technically created the Enterprise's warp core. Yeah. Uh, but, see, I don't really think using this character using the character in this way mm -hmm. is was the best way to handle using her character might have been funny if rutherford had had to deal with her on the cerritos because maybe yeah. the cerritos is using the enterprise d's design since it's a newer ship than the d and so maybe it's using technology that was made for the d yeah for, for that for the galaxy class but uh and maybe it causes trouble with the california class maybe so maybe rutherford would have to work with her on that and maybe that could cause some issues and problems maybe. that might have been a better use of her character other than oh i'm just a i'm just a fantasy dream sequence thing yeah and granted i bet you that uh, the actress had a lot of fun playing this probably scene. i almost guarantee it it's just i kind of wish there's sometimes the jokes get in the way on the show, they even though it's meant to be a comedy. Right. There's just sometimes it's like you could tell a better story that is still funny if you just work a little bit better at making the coherent story first. Right. But yeah, I agree with you that Tendi's story I think is done better in this. Um, and maybe they just couldn't think of any other good jokes besides the idea that. Um, in reality, Dr. Ta'ana is actually her mentor instead of Miglimo. Yeah. Even though Miglimo is her official mentor. Yeah. But then who likes Miglimo, if we're being honest? True. He's like, he is Paul F. Tompkins, so comparing him to Shorty does make a lot of sense. That is true. So but true. it's like if Shorty was actually intelligent. Very true. Which really explains a lot about that character. Uh, but yeah, this is just... I. I this is not my favorite episode of season three. I do think it's the weakest one in season three, uh, but it is a, it is just a nice little fun episode. Agreed. Uh, you ready to hit the next one? Yeah, let's do that. Next episode, Room for Growth, which was directed by Jason Zurich and written by John Cochran. Uh, in this episode, Mo Mariner, Boimler, and Tendi clash with their arch rivals, Delta Shift. Meanwhile, the Cerritos engineers go on mandatory relaxation leave. And that goes about as well as you think it will. Asif Ali plays Asif in this one. Mm. Mary Holland it plays Taz. Charlotte Nick Dow uh, played Meredith and Moxie. Artemis Pebdani played Caravitas. And, of course, Paul Shear played Andorithio Billups. And Carl Tart reprised his role as Kayshawn. Which I actually liked a lot of his... Uh, sayings in this one from his language they were funny to me gotcha uh getting into the trivia for this 
Two additional background characters introduced during season one are given names for the first time in this episode, that being Fedorov and Moxie. The opening scene where Captain Freeman is possessed by a mask and turns parts of the Cerritos into an ancient temple yeah. is a direct reference to Star Trek The Next Generation episode Masks, which is about as stupid as you think it is mm -hmm. from what you saw in this episode, <laughs> except it's Data that gets possessed by the masks. Yeah. It's a weird episode. Agreed, it is. Oh, you've seen it? What? This episode? Yes. No, masks. No, I haven't. That's what I'm saying. That's the weird episode. Oh, okay. I this is referencing this, that episode. Yeah, this is a masks. weird episode, too. Yeah, but I mean, the whole thing with the masks is okay. what I was referring to. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Taz and another unidentified masseuse are the third and fourth Adosians to appear in Star Trek after Eric's in, from Star Trek the Animated Series and the Division 14 medical specialist from the Lower Decks episode, Much Ado About Boimler. The Gallardonian, a member of Momol species, a member of Miglimo's species, hmm. and a member of Attix's species, you have an idea of how many species have not been named yet, Right. all species first introduced in Lower Decks appear aboard the Dove. Huh. Uh, it is confirmed in this episode that Dr. Ta'ana at one point had a tail like all other Cations. Oh, gosh. Earlier in her Starfleet career, she lost it in an unspecified incident. Oh, my gosh. That scene. That entire scene. I'm like, last, oh, my gosh. Last but not least, one of the Dupler emissaries' duplicates, oh, skeletal God. remains, can be seen yep, when it. Mariner, Boimler, and Tendi first enter the area under hydroponics, suggesting at least... One duplicate was unaccounted for. Or, well, there's not a lot of oxygen down there, so no. I get it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Tin, Tin. I, I, I like Tinley as a character more and more because she's a little more assertive than yeah. she used to be. Oh my gosh. This I'll, episode and this episode, the last episode in this episode, it's just more like, okay, you, you like Tinley more. Yeah. This is uh, another. We also get to see another instance of uh, Bold Boimler. In oh, this. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Except now we know him as Antigraph Boy. <laughs> that was great until it's like, oh, it's the deflector dish. Ah, uh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the holodeck scene. <laughs> oh, gosh. Why? Uh, it's, I, I understand these two are a couple. I get it. Yeah. This has been the running, not the running game, but this, this has been going on since somewhere in season two is where it started. Yeah, it did. Where she realized she actually had feelings for Shax. Probably the episode where Shax came back. Yeah. For being honest. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that I, I love it. I love that this moment in there where they're robbing the bank. Yes. That's absolutely like Bonnie and Clyde all, yeah. the, all day. I thought it was hilarious, and she's like, "It's like, oh, turn off all like uh, turn the safe, turn off the safety protocols." It's, it's like, hold on, and that program, and that is not what makes him pause the program. It's mostly like, you know, we never talk anymore. It's like, <laughs> like I die. We haven't talked this. Oh Here, I'll God. show. I'll tell you a secret. <laughs> Nobody knows how I lost my tail. Oh my gosh, Tinley! It's like, <laughs> I've got to know. Gotta, it's on start. It's like I'm curious. It's like, no, we don't want to find this out. Nope. But I do need to make a comment on one thing because this is another instance where money is brought up on Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Except this is money from the past. Yeah. 
So there's been a thought that in Star Trek, the Federation does not have any money. Okay. I disagree with this just because it's not seen on screen. Doesn't mean there's not money. Sure. For one thing, there has to be some sort of exchange rate to the Ferengi's gold press latinum, since that is a thriving currency mm -hmm. that pretty much everyone who wants to deal with the Ferengi has to be able to use. Yeah. And you can't replicate this stuff anywhere. That's part of the reason why it's actually still worth something. Mm -hmm. uh, there is nowhere in Star Trek that actually states that they don't have currency of some kind. Mm. The closest that you get is in Star Trek First Contact. Okay. When I, I know you've seen the movie, right? Yeah, I've seen it. Okay. You know the scene where he and or Picard and Lily are working their way through the ship and she asks, uh, I had a hard enough time finding enough titanium just to build a four meter cockpit. How much did this thing cost? Mm -hmm. And Picard says, uh, the, uh, the accumulation of money is no longer the driving force in our lives. Mm -hmm. People have used that quote to say that there's not money in Star Trek. That is not what Picard said. No. <laughs> Picard said the, uh, pursuit and accumulation of that money is not the driving force in our lives that may be true for picard because C picard's family is rich because they have a very old vineyard and he probably never had to care about money and plus picard's an idealist mm -hmm. and he's trying to he's got he has a chance to teach the ideals or his ideals of from the 24th century to the lower 21st century and maybe this is where the concept of the quote-unquote uh, evolved human that supposedly exists in next in star trek starts this is actually proven it's proven true but anyway not not important but wouldn't that be like understanding very little about star trek there's still money there's still money but wouldn't he be breaking the what is what is that code that they can't break? you're thinking of prime directive, prime directive but technically that doesn't count here because it's still a human race what comes into play is the temporal prime directive which oh. means you can't change the past uh. problem is by that point past had already been changed so he's trying to change uh to correct the problems uh, yeah. in the past and he and it's not the enterprise that caused the problems it was the borg sphere true that's what changed the past i got you uh i like what bobo says in our chat he says it's kind of like saying money is evil uh -huh. but it's, that's not the case it's the love, love of, of money, money. That is the problem. And yes. that's actually how it's written in the Bible. We always Agreed. say it's like money is the root of all evil. It's actually the love, of, love money. of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Yeah. It's it's that it's that driving force yeah. that be it's like, great. oh, I just want to make money. That's your yeah. driving force. Money is not evil. It's just money above all else is yeah, evil. Exactly. So yeah. So I I I this is a thing that's always gonna come up when because people are always saying Star Trek doesn't have money. I'm thinking that's stupid. Why else would Cisco's dad have a restaurant? Yeah. Just because he likes to cook. Do you realize how long it takes to cook? Uh, uh yeah. run a restaurant. Mm -hmm. You were there all night. You don't do that just because it's fun. You do that because you're getting a paycheck. Exactly. <laughs> Even if it's a mighty big paycheck because you're the manager. Yeah. You still have to be up there during like the worst part of the day. So anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Had to get that off my, off my chest. Cause gotcha. That topic is one that bugs me. I got you. Anyway. Ugh. But yeah, that scene is one of my favorites there in the bank. And I love how 
uh, Boimler and uh, Mariner don't even know what, don't, are not even sure what it is. They don't even know how to pronounce the word bank. It's like, yeah, we got all this uh, paper currency that has an arbitrary value to it. When, when you think about it, all money is arbitrary. Values. That is true. It's, it's not, not really, backed up by anything. It's not backed up by anything. So, you know, I can't really disagree with them. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. But anyway, I've been talking a lot. You talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is interesting that they, it's like, oh yeah, the, 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 the night crew is going to, you know, steal all the glory. So they got to go and, you know, well, they, beat they, their own so there's a, uh, a lottery for a new, for uh, new rooms that have opened up. Uh -huh. And they think that there are four rooms on deck one, one that are available, but it's only one room on deck four. Which makes a lot more sense than four rooms on deck one, since the only thing on deck one should be the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> that is, is traditionally the only thing on deck one on like every other ship. True. Except for the Defiant, because it only had five decks. True. And they actually in tactically designed that ship so that the bridge was sunken into the superstructure. Hmm. But anyway. Either or. Be like, I, I do I do like uh kind of like the the last episode. It's more, it's like, okay, they're on this little adventure. And hold on. What is the 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 side the B story to this? Uh I am Rutherford. Okay. Technically, them going after the uh, room is the B story. Yeah, okay. The A story is oh yeah, the spa. Is the, spa. <laughs> the spa, that's right. I that's totally forgot about that. Technically, the A story, and I love how the engineers are fine. Really, I mean, yeah, yeah. they've been overworked, but that's just because they have the captain to stop. It's the captain who's gone nuts. <laughs> and understand, like, black stress can get to you, but I'm like, okay, Cap, you gotta de, you gotta uh, uh, de stress a little bit, and the the little DX6 Machina, they just come mm -hmm. up with a device. That like literally puts Dove out of business. Right. It's like, I need this to destroy. But why? This thing is all on us. Like, get rid of this now. It's like, yeah, because then we won't have, we'll actually have to work. Yeah, exactly. I love all of their, uh, the the things they show in there that were supposed to help de stress, like the, the puppy room. Oh, yeah. The cat room for the deviants. I mean, there's no judgment. It's like, <laughs> I'm one of those deviants. You're not kidding. <laughs> And then puppies the, rule, dogs, cats drool. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> um, and then the the room with the Klingon is just killing it, is just breaking everything. Uh -huh. It's like act technically he's got over his time, but we're all scared to go in there and stop it. Yeah, you think <laughs> it's like not bet you are. Uh, I, I, that was all. Yeah, that was it's fun. like quick, increase the puppies. We can't, sir. We've run out of them. We even threw some buddies in there, and it's not helping. <laughs> That was it was it was fun. It was to me. It's it reminded me of uh, Star Trek, not Star Star Wars on Clamino, uh episode two. Clamino, Camino, Camino. Thank you. It's for some reason that just reminded me of that. Mine is not being a clone facility, but more of uh, relaxation. Spa. Yeah, that's just what it reminded me of for some reason. But uh, I I did enjoy the episode. I enjoyed more the the B story to mm -hmm. it. And of course, our characters don't win, and it's 
And there again, it's all miscommunication or it's the uh, like where uh, I think it's Mariner. They start talking about how like where they're going to be in the next, you know, couple of years. Yeah. This character's going to be here. This character here. Mariner's probably going to be kicked out of Star- Star- Starfleet at this point. And, Mar- and uh, uh, Boiler's probably going to be dead somewhere. <laughs> I want to comment on Mariner being kicked out of the service, but I'm not. <laughs> But got it, <laughs> got it. Uh, I will. I do want to point one other cool little thing out that my trivia didn't show, but uh, the fact that the way the engineers relax is by doing engineering—that has been a running gag since the original series with Scotty. Got it. Every chief engineer tends to prefer relaxing by reading one of their technical journals. Mm. This is not a good Scotty, I don't think. No. Anyway, that's not going to get into that. Uh, but yeah, it, that's just a, that's, I, I loved the continuation of that running gag. Yeah, it's it's like how with the with some very few exceptions, most of the good doctors are cranky. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm still waiting for Doctor Taana to say something like, "You fool! I'm a doctor, not a so, such and such," <laughs> or "He's she's he's dead, Captain." <laughs> I'm still waiting for that because it's like those are the traditional lines. Grant they're TOS lines, but uh-huh. still. Anyway, yeah, I always keep an ear out for those. Yeah, but yeah, I thought like, like, they're they're interesting episodes. Other they're, things I keep an ear out for the number forty-seven, which we've not seen a lot of. Forty-seven. Forty-seven. Okay. The most common number in Star Trek. All right. Okay. Well. I- That'll be a discussion for another episode if it ever comes up again. Exactly. So yeah, uh, that's going to be the end of this one, I think. Yep. Uh, join us next time for the episodes Reflections and Hear All, Trust Nothing. Hmm. Okay. I believe Hear All, Trust Nothing is the episode that takes place on Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay. That's a funny. previous location oh. on the sh- in for, in Star Trek. So join us for that next week with the Polar Express. Uh, you got anything to add before we cut out of here? Uh, welcome to the Christmas train. In the meantime, this has been true. This is Jacob, and we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterbox page at G. George 759. His Twitter at G. George 759 and Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast, on Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming, on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. 
The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. Oh, brother, we got stuck in another elevator shaft again.